0: Very excited um, to share tonight, it's one of my favorite passages, I, uh, my name is Cam Stewart, if I haven't met you I'd love to meet you, and um, I spent <clears throat> 10 or 11 years on Young Life staff, Young Life is a ministry to um, high school students um, in the local area and, and all over the world, and this passage I got to teach to uh, high school kids a bunch, and so I'm excited to be able to study it. Uh, with our church family this evening. But before I do, um, I just want to publicly uh, thank and honor our uh, Hope Church staff. Um, there, there has been, I, I was trying to do the math, in the last year, I think we have had four different offices and three different buildings, moves, three different building moves, um, potentially four if you count inside and outside at Fellowship of Oak Brook. <laughs> um, and just in the midst of all that chaos and craziness, they remained faithful, devoted to prayer, devoted to our church, and devoted to our community. Um, and so I just, just as an encouragement uh, for us as the church body to remember to pray uh, for our church staff, and not only to pray, but it's also not against the rules to text them and see if they need anything occasionally, um, because I know this has been, it's been a hard season for the staff. Um, so I just want to say that. And um, so I'm going to open us in prayer, and then we are going to dive in if you want to. Matthew chapter 8 is where we will be this evening. Jesus, thank you again for just how marvelous you are. God, thank you that you love us. God, thank you for just all of the ways that we can see your Holy Spirit moving in evident ways in bringing Hope Church and North Trident together. God, we lift up the church staff here at Hope Church, God, I just pray that you would bless them, that you would give them rest, real, holy rest. God, I pray that, um, that you would let them take a deep sigh of relief now that we have found a home. And uh, Jesus, we just pray that your spirit would move through your word tonight, God, that you would do what only you can do, that you would challenge and convict and encourage through your Holy Spirit and through the reading of your word. So just pray a blessing over this time as we Listen to God's word together. In your name we pray, amen. Awesome, so we're in Matthew chapter eight. I just said that, but if you haven't flipped there, do it. Um, <laughs> so we've been, we've been in Matthew, if you haven't been here, we've been in Matthew, and uh, three big themes that we have talked about. Jesus is Lord, God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom, and Jesus is the answer. And if you look at Matthew as a whole, that is the, the um that is the theme, and then specifically tonight, those three, those three themes are going to come, be ever so evident in this story. Um, before we dive in, I, I believe context is, is crucial for when we're reading the passage, and last week, Pastor Mark, shout out Pastor Mark of Oak Community Church, another incredible church, um, he shared on the calming of the storm. We potentially should have shared that, you know, yesterday, but... Uh, it was clo- We were close, but the, um, but the calming of the storm. So we're, we are in this series of stories of Jesus' miracles. And uh, in, in a commentary that, um, that I really love by Frederick Dale Brunner on, on the book of Matthew, he calls this the three outsider miracles. So the leper, the centurion's son, and Peter's mother-in-law slash the sunset healings. And then two chaos miracles, the storm into what we're studying tonight, the demon-possessed men. And I just love, love that phrasing there. The, the outsider miracles and the chaos miracles. Anyone here, show of hands, have, have ever felt like an outsider in a certain situation? Cool, if you're, you're a liar, if you haven't raised your hand. Um, that's OK. And then how, how many of you have ever felt like your life has been a bit chaotic? Anyone? How comforting is it to know that the God of the Bible, that Jesus himself moved towards us, he steps in and confronts those situations, that he brings healing. Redemption, hope, and purpose to the outsiders and to chaos. Um, this this passage is in all three synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke share a lot of the same stories. Um, and so we'll, we'll be mo- mostly in Matthew, but I'll be picking out some verses to get more um, context from Mark and Luke. And then just to, I just love thinking about this story with the disciples, and, and I, I like to think of the, Stories as a movie, that bring them to life a little bit. That the disciples got on this boat, they kind of don't know where they're going. They don't know much of anything at this point. This, they think they're going to die. Calming of the storm last week, if you haven't listened to that podcast, do it. And then Jesus was napping. He wakes up, calms the storm, and then they get to the other side. That's where we'll pick up in Matthew eight. And they're greeted by two demon-possessed men. This quote, again, from, from Frederick Dale Bruner I love, Jesus stills the storms of both sea and soul. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they sandwich these two um, miracles together. Um, one, because it seems like they're happening on the same trip, but I just love that idea that, that the external, God can calm, and the internal of our soul, he also can calm. So let's dive in. Matthew chapter eight, starting in Verse 28. It says this when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him they were so violent that no one could pass that way what do you want with us son of god they shouted have you come here to torture us before the appointed time some distance from them a large herd of pigs was feeding the demons begged jesus if you drive us out send us into the herd of pigs he said to them go so they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into town, and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed man. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Okay, so, so much in here to unpack. Um, we're going to just soap this together. If you don't know what soap is, ask your community group. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. We're gonna go line by line, verse by verse, and we're just gonna to, to look at um, the observations that we see in this story because it is an incredible story. Again, when he, verse 28, when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. So they're on the other side now of the Sea of Galilee, pagan territory, and again, the disciples, fresh off of this calming of the storm, they show up, and as soon as their, their boat hits land, two demon-possessed guys. Insanity. I have no idea what the disciples are thinking, but it, it, I'm sure it's all over the map. This is, they, they have already been excommunicated from the city. That's why they're kind of on the outskirts of town. The pigs, also, that are mentioned in the story are unclean. So this is very clearly a missionary journey into Gentile territory. Jesus is moving towards these people. Luke, in the Luke passage, it notes that he was naked, that the, the demon-possessed men were naked, showing the shame and the disgrace that they had, that they couldn't even, they, no one would even give them clothes. And then Mark talks about that they could not even be bound, that people would try to bind them, and that they, could, they, would, they would break the chains. So you've got these superhuman, naked, strong, demon-possessed men, and Jesus and the disciples roll up onto the scene. Verse 29. The demons speak. What do you want with us, Son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? That first question is what do you want with us? It, it almost sounds like they're shocked that Jesus would be near them. What what do they have in common? Why would he care about them? And the answer is that G- Jesus deeply cares about the two men. He is always in the business of redemption. That's the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, how he told us to pray. That Jesus is stepping into this depraved, crazy, ridiculous situation and bringing heaven with him. Verse 30 says this, some distance from them a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us in to the herd of pigs. They already assume their powerlessness. His mere presence is enough for them to understand their fate. I, I love. It's almost like the the demons are uh, negotiating against themselves. They kind of say, "What do you want it to do with us?" And then Jesus says nothing. And then he, they say, "We'll we'll just go to the pigs. Like we we know we know our fate. <laughs> we know what's happening. We know that we know the, the hierarchy here. Jesus, Lord, King, Creator of all. They know they're under him. That he has dominion over them. And they don't, they don't even argue with. It. They just say, "Please." Send us to the pigs. Again, the mere presence of Jesus is enough for them to understand their fate. Here's another quote from uh, Frederick Dale Brunner. It says this, a living church just sitting there on the block, a disciple just sitting there in the office, the word just being explained there in a Sunday school class or a Saturday night school class, all these by their simple existence in some deep way exercise. That it wasn't Jesus' eloquence it could have been. He could have, he could have gone into a huge sermon. But it was just his, his mere presence, his mere power, stepping onto the shore that pushed back darkness and brought in the light, brought in the kingdom, brought in the hope, brought in the restoration that only God can provide. Verse 32. Jesus, Jesus speaks now. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs. The whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. If you've seen uh, mentioning of demons in in movies or or whatever, there there seems to be a large process. People like to think that there's a lot of, you need a bunch of stuff and you need to read a bunch of things and pray a bunch of things, but the power of Jesus' word is all that it took. Go. And they go into the pigs. Verse 33, those tending the pigs ran off went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. They beg him to leave. He's taken their livelihood or part of their livelihood. One commentary I was reading said a couple more exorcisms and there would be no more livestock. If this is the, <laughs> if this is the, the pattern the, the townspeople are thinking about profits and their financial security over two lives of men that were restored. And I think w- when we read these passages, you know, like last week, um, when we read the calming of the storms, for instance, the disciples get a bad rap. We know, we have hindsight um, that Jesus is who he says he is in the, in the story, and we know that he's going to calm the storms. So we're like, come on, disciples, how could you be afraid? It says they were about to die. They thought they were going to die. And in this story, too, we're like, townspeople, these two men were just restored. How could you be so short-sighted versus the long game of eternal perspective? But how many of us have gotten so wrapped up in our own problems, our own situation, our own scenarios that we discount, deny, or not even consider God's plan or his kingdom? Maybe that's just me. Again, how many of us have gotten so wrapped up in our own problems that we discount, deny, or even not consider God's plan in the kingdom? They're so wrapped up in the short term. uh, One one commentator argued that it was even a financial win for the city. In, In the short term, obviously, the pigs would be a loss, but two men were restored back into the labor force, that they could help the city back into flourishing, that the redemption and restoration of that city happened because Jesus stepped foot on the shore. We'll end in Mark chapter five, so flip a little bit to the right. Mark, uh, kinda hit, Mark's version ends with a little bit more detail than Matthew's. So Mark chapter five, starting in verse 15, says this. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people, What had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well? Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Incredible ending to the story. I just love it that Jesus is so on his own time that he's getting into the boat. He's about to leave. He hasn't said anything to the demon-possessed healed men. Maybe he has, but it's not recorded in scripture. He's like stepping into the boat. And the, the, the people who have been restored say, please let me come with you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You go to the Decapolis, which is the 10 cities. And you go tell them. He doesn't say, hey, why don't you come with us? We'll do a six-month intensive Bible study. We'll teach you how to preach the gospel. He says, no. His instructions are, tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That's it. That's, That's all the call for us as disciples of Jesus is. Go tell the Decapolis how much Jesus has done for you. Jesus is constantly moving towards his people. I mentioned that at the beginning. You and I, followers of Jesus, not followers of Jesus, the demon possessed men on the outskirts of the Sea of Galilee, and everything in between, Jesus is constantly moving towards his people. He got on a boat, went across the Sea of Galilee, healed these two guys, got back on a boat, and went home. It was it, it was for them. That Jesus, eventually, this is crazy, it's October 1st. Did everyone know that? It's wild. But in, in a couple months, we are going to be celebrating Christmas. It's, that is the, the most extravagant, incredible picture of Jesus moving towards his people. That he was up in heaven, living in perfect harmony with the Trinity. And then Emmanuel, God with us. That he steps in, he moves towards, so that he can save and redeem and bring on earth as it is in heaven. And this, this towards movement is first for you and Jesus. That we need to wrap our minds around that, that Jesus is moving towards you and I. So that as we, we go to Him, He is moving towards us and He wants so deeply a deep relationship with you. It reminds me of the story uh, of the prodigal son, where, where the, the father is just looking out over the horizon and sees his son and runs to him. He doesn't wait and say, oh yeah, my son's coming home. No, he runs to him. That Jesus is doing that for you and for me, regardless of where you fall on that spectrum of disciples in the storm to demon-possessed superhuman men. It's first for you and Jesus. And then the call to action is also for us towards the people that God has placed in our circle of influence, where we live, learn, work, and play. That we are constantly moving towards people. Not because we have necessarily anything special to give, but because the Holy Spirit resides in us. If, G- if you have made Jesus the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And that's what we get to bring and offer to people as we move towards them. Second thing is, uh, we talked about in the beginning, that God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. This trip makes no sense. I, hint, I talked about it a little bit. Again, the calming of the storm makes no sense. Why wouldn't Jesus do that in the midst of thousands of people to see his power? But it was on purpose for the disciples who would then be the early church. And then go across just for these two demon-possessed men. He doesn't, he doesn't stay and argue with the people that want him to leave. That would make sense to me. Jesus, you could probably win an argument. Why don't you argue with the people? Tell them about yourself. No, instead, he empowers and calls the two demon-possessed men, go to the Decapolis and and be a missionary to my people. It's an upside-down kingdom that doesn't make sense. And for us, hinted about it uh, with the pastor standing up here, that this, this was not just some big master plan that we planned out and had a nice excel sheet of like here's the churches that we should partner with. No, it was prayer and the Holy Spirit that God's plans uh, we, we can plan as much as we want but knowing who is ultimately in charge and that God's plans are higher than our thoughts, are higher than our ways and are the best possible way to live life. And then look at the demon possessed man in Mark's account says he was sitting there. He was at peace. Maybe for the first time in his life. We don't know how long uh, he was demon-possessed. But he's sitting there. He was dressed. His needs were met. And he was in his right mind. His mind had been transformed by the gospel, by an interaction with Jesus, that he had clarity. Again, maybe for the first time in his entire life. Do our interactions, does our relationship with Jesus have some of these as, as fruit? Do our interactions with Jesus look like this? Right? Do we, are, are we experiencing the peace that surpasses knowledge? Is our mind being transformed by the gospel? We talked about it for all, all of summer. Go back and listen to the podcast. I just keep telling people to listen to the podcast. You don't have homework, but you should listen to the podcast if you want to. Um, Romans 12, Right? transformed by the renewing of your mind that if we can rewire this thing with the gospel that it brings clarity brings his right mind that again heaven is moving in to this dark and desolate place and then then another question do our interactions with others bring some of these things i love the fact that the needs are met also this story would not make sense if it was he was sitting there he was at peace and he was in his right mind but he was still naked Right, like just give the, give the guy a tunic. It wouldn't make any sense. That's why I love, um, I love that our church does the grocery giveaway. We're meeting tangible needs, but also, hopefully, our heart is that people's minds would be transformed by the gospel, by the interactions, by the relationships that you all do as you serve, and that we would be able to extend the peace of God through prayer and through relationships. So again, Jesus is constantly moving towards his people. Wherever you are on the spectrum, you are his people, and he is moving towards you. That it's an upside-down kingdom. That God's kingdom does not make sense, but it is the only way, the true way to live, the best way to live, and to tap into that with the Holy Spirit in prayer. And then the demon-possessed man sitting there at peace, with his needs met, transformed by the renewing of his mind. And in in a bigger picture, I, I preached about this over the summer when we were talking about the gospel, but this interaction with Jesus, again, goes to there's an extension of grace, extension of forgiveness, of restoration as Jesus moves in, and then a call to live the life you were created to live. And that's true for us. As we interact with Jesus, as we spend time in his scripture, as we pray as we meet in community groups, as we share our faith, Jesus is constantly extending grace in a transforming way, and then extending a mission. Live the life that you were created for. Go. Go and tell people about this. This passage, uh, again, I said in the beginning, but it's it's one of my favorite, I, I, I can... Um, I can just think about back to Young Life Clubs and hearing, like seeing people get it, that Jesus extends this, that, that you start to see yourself in the story a little bit. And that's what I think brings scripture to life. Right, all of the things that Jesus is attributing, that we attribute to Jesus in these stories are true for us because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So this restoration, this hope, this light that comes onto the seed is true for us. Hopefully that is an encouragement to you. But then, also, hopefully you can see yourself and maybe the townspeople, right? Maybe, maybe you're a little short-sighted in a certain area. Again, that's, that's God's scripture, maybe pulling at your heart, convicting you, the Holy Spirit, saying, let me in. Bring the light and the peace and the renewal to that portion of your life. Maybe it's like the disciples in the calming of the storm, you're just, you're just in a season of doubt. But that's the gift of scripture is that we see what Jesus does in all of those situations. And so, I know I said you don't have homework, but you do have homework. Here's, here's the homework. Um, as we read, as we read these passages, as these, these stories come alive to us, Again, I think it's first true for our relationship with Jesus and then because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, it is true for our relationships with others. My question is very simple. What's, what stands out to you in this? What, what grabs your heart? What part of this story do you align with? Or what part was convicting or challenging to you? Uh, my daughter Carson, she's the best. She, uh, we found this podcast on Spotify um, called God's Big Story and it's a kids thing where they do a Bible story and a song, and, um, and at the end, they say this after every podcast, and I think it's incredible. It says, did you learn something new about God today, or were you reminded of something good, true, or beautiful? I think it's a great, a great line. Did you learn something new about God today, or were you reminded of something good, true, or beautiful? Now it's time to live like it's true. And so as we come to the scripture, as we come to community group, as we come to our time in prayer, I think that's a very simple tool we could use. Say, what, what is the application? What is the one thing that I feel like God is, is illuminating in my spirit? Now, then that, that, that's the first question. Then the second part of that, now it's time to live like it's true. What would my life look like? if that was actually true, right? If we really believed any part of the story, that, that we could actually bring peace into certain situations because of the gospel, if we could really bring restoration, how would we live differently? If the gospel really does renew our mind, how would we think about things with the gospel? That's my challenge. And again, I, I talk about this a lot, Rob, Will, anybody who's up here talks about this a lot. This this is like, this is when church starts in, in a little bit when we pray and do communion, when we start to walk out those doors. That's it, that's church. That's the kingdom of God advancing in this area. And so my hope would be that, that something in God's word tonight pricked something in your heart and that you would be able to, maybe a couple times this week, maybe in community group, maybe with a friend, share that one thing. Pick somebody or text them right now if you want to. I won't be offended if you're on your phone. Um, but just share, share it with somebody and say, hey, I, I'm, I'm really thinking about this idea of, of bringing peace or I, I don't understand what renewing of your mind actually means. Will somebody help me with that? These are the things that will we'll keep this at the forefront. That's literally renewing our minds if we think about this throughout the entire week and then those are the things that make us the church. That we, that we in this room, we, we all go over to all parts of the greater Somerville area. Will's about to go to uh, Uganda, is that right? Uganda. So not just the greater Somerville area, but halfway across the world. And because the Holy Spirit lives in us, because the Holy Spirit desires deeply that we change and that we apply these things to our lives, that we can make an impact, that, that on earth as it is in heaven, that more of the kingdom of God would press into those dark places. I, th- I think about, um, <laughs> when well, I just said that, I thought about Lion King. You want to see Lion King? Yeah? Cool. The dark, the dark part, you know, with Scar, it's like everything that the light touches is yours. But th- that's, that's just a picture that just popped into my mind of, of us as the kingdom of God. Right? The light is pushing back the darkness. That as we step into places at work to and extinguish family and places with friends, that the light of Jesus can step into and extinguish that darkness, that it can bring peace, that it can bring the renewal of mind, that it can bring clarity, that we can meet people's needs. So that's my challenge for us this week. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the story. God, thank you in your grace that you knew that we would need this, that it would be an encouragement to us. And you put it in the Bible and kept it in there for thousands of years so that we could study it here tonight in Somerville. And God, I just pray for this church body of Hope Church. I pray for North Trident. God, I just pray that people would be changed by your spirit. God, that that the gospel would actually renew our minds, renew our hearts, that we would be agents of restoration bringing your kingdom to this place on earth as it is in heaven, God, that more of heaven would come into this place. So God, I pray on Wednesday afternoon and Thursday morning and all throughout this week that the people in this room would be reminded of your goodness and, and challenged and encouraged to live it out in such a way that demonstrate your love. Thank you so much, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.